Understand that Paul the Apostle is wanting these people to understand that even though they have jobs and even though they may have some money and even though they may be having a lot of fun in this world and there are problems in the world, he wants them to know one thing, that the time is at hand. The Lord is coming. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. It's good to have you with us today for our continuing study of the key elements in a God-honoring marriage. Today, Raul will challenge us to evaluate our household's current priorities and consider whether we're alert and ready for Jesus' return. Busy schedules can distract us from the hope of Jesus' coming, but as you stay with us, you'll be inspired to order your life around this crucial promise. Today's lesson is titled, Should Marriage Last Forever? Here's Raul Reese. Paul the Apostle has been teaching, and we've been learning about marriage and divorce, singleness, and what widows are to do when their husbands die. Now, Paul the Apostle, in coming to the conclusion of chapter 7, he brings up a very important uh, issue, but most important is what he says about the last days. Beginning with chapter 7, verse 25, look how he begins the letter. He says, Now concerning virgins or those that are single, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy, has made trustworthy or faithful. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain even as he is. That word distress there is a very interesting word in the Greek. It's a word violence. Literally, it's in reference to the violence that was happening at this particular time when the Roman government was putting great pressure on the church. And there were people being murdered and actually becoming martyrs for Christ. And Paul says, this was the condition of the church. Verse 27. He says, are you bound to a wife? Then don't seek to be loose from her. Are you loose from a wife? Then do not seek a wife. That is... If you're married, stay married. If you're not married, don't get married. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, listen to what he says to married people. You will have great troubles in the flesh. But I would spare you. He says, if you don't want to have problems in marriage, don't get married. Then he says this in verse 29. Very important. But this I say, this is my conclusion, brethren. The time is short. So that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they were not married. And those who weep, as though they did not weep. 
And those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. And those who buy as though they did not possess anything. And those who use this world is not me using it. For the form of the world is passing away. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things that belong to the Lord. How he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world. And how he may please his wife. (laughs) Notice what Paul says there. And then he says, verse 34. There is a difference between a wife and a single person. The one that is single and married woman cares about the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But she who is married cares about the malls. Oh, that's not what it says. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. <laughs> about the things of the world, it says. <laughs> How she may please her husband. And this I say... For your own profit. Not that I may put a leash on you. But for what is proper. And that you may save the Lord without distractions. Now. Understand that Paul the Apostle. Is wanting these people to understand. That even though they have jobs. And even though they may have some money. And even though they may be having a lot of fun in this world. And there are problems in the world. He wants them to know one thing, that the time is at hand. The time is short. The Lord is coming. This is Paul writing at this particular time. As a matter of fact, there are five things that I see here. As Paul writes, first of all, in verse 26, he's saying that the pressure of the world system is constantly, presently before them. Secondly, in verse 28, That because if they're married, they are going to be having problems in their marriage. And thirdly, in verse 29, that the world is passing away. So don't get comfortable. Don't build this place as your kingdom. And fourthly, the world's possessions, be careful that they don't possess you. Because everything is going to pass away one day. And then fifthly, in verse 31, the pleasure of the world is passing away, so don't let it get a hold of you and possess you. So Paul the Apostle is actually bringing about good counsel to the church. Paul wants you to have a balance if you're single, or if you're married, or if you're a single parent, or you may be a widow. There has to be a balance in whatever state you may find yourself this morning under. And the reason that Paul says this is because this morning as we look at the time is short, we need to describe what the time is short means here. It means that Jesus is coming soon, very soon. As a matter of fact, in the scriptures, the time is short is described as the day of the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2 and 3, this is what he says. And you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. There's plenty of warning given. 
before the Lord comes again. And then, in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, he says it's called the day of God. It says this, looking for this hastening and the coming, the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. That is in reference to not only the second coming, but the thousand year reign of Christ. And at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ, what's going to happen is that God is going to destroy this earth by fire. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. So we must not get too comfortable in this life. And then he calls it the day or that day. In 2 Thessalonians 1.10 he says, When he comes again in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Now, what is the purpose of the coming of Jesus Christ? Number one is to fulfill his word. He has to come to fulfill what he said. If he came the first time, he said he would come again the second time. In John 14, 3, he says, And if I go to prepare a place for you, here's the promise, I, Jesus, will come again to receive you to myself, so that where I am, there you also will be with me. What a promise to each one of us when Jesus Christ comes again to take us to himself. And you say, well, how is that going to happen? Well, that's the second point. It's going to happen through the rapture of the church. Now, let me stop here for a moment and explain to you, because there are so many new people here, that maybe you haven't ever heard the term, the rapture of the church. And if you've been here a while, you know that the rapture of the church, the literal word rapture, is not found in the Bible. Well, you say, well, if you don't find it, then how can you believe in it? It's not in English, but it is in Greek, you see. It's the word harpasso. And it's used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18. And he's talking, Paul is talking to a church that only has been saved for three weeks. And yet, they're on fire for God. And they're learning. That's the quickest church that Paul ever established. Three weeks old church. And they were one of the greatest churches in the early churches. Incredible church. But this is what Paul says to them. But I would not want you to be ignorant brethren concerning those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Now, the reason he writes 1 Thessalonians is because some people in the church were actually spreading rumors that those who had died before Jesus would come would never rise. There were rumors like that. And what Paul does is he writes back to them to reassure them that those that have died before them, they've gone to heaven, and in heaven when Jesus Christ gets ready to come back for those that are living at the rapture of the church, they will not precede them. He says, they're there with the Lord already. Paul said, to die is to be in presence of the Lord. And so what he's saying is that when Jesus comes at the rapture of the church, and the trumpet blows, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And who's with the Lord? Our loved ones, those that are Christians in the past that have died, have been there in heaven for a long time. They're coming to receive us in the air at the rapture of the church. 
This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Don't forget, we're here to help you grow in godliness and to align your life with the Bible's truth. Call us at 800-634-9165 or visit somebodylovesyou.com. You can also join Raul for Straight Talk on his YouTube channel every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific. Let's get back now to the final part of our study, Should Marriage Last Forever? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who have died in Jesus. Notice, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, notice what He's talking about, that's us, will by no means precede those who already have died. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The moment a person dies, he's in the presence of the Lord. So they're coming with Christ, and that's what he says, and then we which are alive and remain shall be raptured, harpasso. He uses the word caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And listen, therefore comfort one another with these words. I like that. Because we can become so discouraged because the Lord hasn't come. But did you know that even in the book of Romans, in chapter 9, 10, and 11, he speaks about Israel's past, present, and future? That in the 11th chapter of Romans, as he's talking about Israel's future, he talks about how the time of the Gentiles is going to come to an end. You see, the time of the Gentiles that started when the time that Jesus Christ died and rose again and went to be to heaven, the time of the Gentiles started before that. It started way back at the time when King Nebuchadnezzar went and besieged the city of Jerusalem on the 70 years of captivity, which we call the 70 week of Daniel that we talk about so much. Going back to Babylon, when the captivity came, the siege, three sieges were made by King Nebuchadnezzar. At that particular time began the time of the Gentiles while the Jews went into captivity. And for the last 2,000 years, God has been pouring out His love, His grace, and His mercy upon the Gentile nations. But the Bible says that when the last Gentile comes to salvation, the end will come. What do you mean the end will come? That's when Jesus Christ will come for His bride the church of Jesus Christ at the rapture. That's why the Lord hasn't come yet. The Lord could come today at noon. He could come tonight at 6 o'clock. He could come at midnight. He could come tomorrow or the next day or a hundred years from now or a thousand years from now. But the Bible says that there is a day coming when Jesus Christ is coming to receive His own unto Himself. That's why Paul the Apostle is saying, know this, brethren, the time is short. Why? Because Paul thought that even in his own time, the Lord would come for him. And he didn't. Paul was beheaded by the Romans, but he went to be with the Lord. And it could be very possible that you and I will die before the Lord comes. But remember one thing, the moment you die, you're in the presence of the Lord. Which means the Lord could come at any time. And you have to be ready. Ready to face the Lord. 
and to be judged for our motives, for what we have done while we were here. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul says this, For we must all, speaking of Christians, all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. You see, there is a day of judgment coming. Now, the judgment that is coming, not upon the church, but upon the non-believer, is in Matthew chapter 25, verse 32 to 46. It's called the judgment of the nations. And that is, at the second coming of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ will come back to the earth. He'll actually place His right foot upon the Mount of Olives. It will cleave in half. He will walk down. He will establish His kingdom for 45 days, which will be the judgment of the nations. According to Daniel chapter 12, the last three verses. And then Matthew 25, 32 to 46. And he will sit there and he will judge. Listen to what he says. And all the nations will be gathered together before him. We will be coming back with Christ. Because we've been for the last seven years in heaven. While all hell has broken loose here on the earth. Where the Antichrist and the false prophet will be setting up their kingdom. But all the nations will be gathered to him. And he will separate them one from the other. As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. What is he talking about? He's not talking about you and me. Because we're coming back in glorified bodies. At the judgment of the nations, these will be people that have flesh and blood like you and I right now. And this is the time where he separates those that never received the mark of the beast or the number 666 on their foreheads or the back of the right hand. That survived the last seven years of world history, Jew and Gentile. And they will be the ones to go into the kingdom age a thousand years and redo the whole earth. And they'll have babies and they'll get married and they'll repopulate the whole earth for a thousand years. That's what the Bible talks about. But the rest, which are called goats, immediately when they're judged, they'll be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever in judgment. This is what he's teaching. That we need to be ready. Why? Because when we come back with Jesus Christ at the second coming, we're coming back in the clouds with white horses and white robes. And we're coming back to rule and reign for a thousand years with Jesus Christ. And each one of us will be reigning for a thousand years over one city or five cities or ten cities, depending on what you did while you were here on this earth. That's what he teaches. That's what's not just getting saved. True salvation, true grace brings forth true works. We're not saved by works, but by faith in Jesus Christ. But true faith brings forth true works. So there is a day of judgment coming and the Lord will come soon. Now what manner is the coming of the Lord going to be like? Well, first of all, he tells us that he's coming in the clouds. Matthew 24, 30 says... Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and glory. But think about this. You say, how can 
the four corners of the earth, how can people in Australia or in Africa, if Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem, how can they see him? Well, imagine the power and the glory when the heavens open. But also, if you remember in the book of Revelation chapter 11, where the two prophets came and they were stoned to death, and every eye was upon them, and after three days of being in the city of Jerusalem, this is during the seven-year tribulation, after being there for three days, and they were actually rotting their flesh, they stood up to their feet as the Spirit of God entered into them, and they began to go to heaven as the cloud took them up. And the Bible says every eye was watching them. Now, many years ago, when you read commentaries in the 1800s, people thought, man, how can that be? But nobody knew until this generation that it was very possible what's going to happen is because of satellite TV, the four corners of the earth will be able to see not only the coming of the Lord in great power and glory, but even in their own homes will be able to know the end of the time. But Jesus Christ doesn't need any cable TV or satellites because when he comes, everybody is going to know that he's here. And thirdly, he's coming with his angels coming back again. In Matthew 25, 31, he says, And when the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Notice that. He will sit as King of kings, Lord of lords, and he will rule with a rod of iron. The first time he came, he came as a servant and they sped on him. And they crowned him with a crown of thorns. And they put nails through his hands and his feet. And then finally they took a spear and they pierced his heart. And he died because of the water and the blood in the pocket of the heart. Medically speaking, they said that Jesus Christ died of a broken heart. The next time he comes, he's coming to judge the world. Well, if you don't yet have a personal relationship with Jesus, or if your family relationships are distracting you from walking closely with Him, we encourage you to give Christ your undivided heart in anticipation of His return. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to hear today's message in its entire form, call us at 800-634-9165, and we'll send you an unedited version for a donation of $5 or more. When you get in touch with us, ask us for Rawls' teaching titled, Should Marriage Last Forever? Now, to equip you with biblical insight into what God desires for your marriage and home life, we'd like to offer you this entire 20-part series from Rawls. It's been downloaded to a convenient MP3 thumb drive and features a special marriage interview with Rawl and his wife, Sharon. You'll find timely encouragement and practical direction as you study God's perfect plan for marriage. To order Rawl's 20-part marriage series, including the bonus interview, visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. We'll send your USB drive for a gift of $30 or more. That's 800-634-9165. Or if you'd like, you can order this resource by writing us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. This is a listener-supported ministry. The generous donations of partners like you keep us strong and on the air, and every contribution is tax-deductible. 
Well, it's a privilege to be with you every day studying the truth of God's Word, and we encourage you to join us next time for more from this marriage series. You'll see that when you and your spouse are struggling, it's important to recognize how Satan's lies might be causing destruction in your relationship. With a final word now, here's Raul once again. Now, if all these things are going to happen, what should be our attitude? Number one, we should be waiting eagerly for His coming. In 1 Corinthians 1.7, He says, So that you come short and no give, eagerly waiting for the revelation or the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, we should be looking for that blessed hope. We should be sharing with other people what we have learned and what Christ has given to us. Titus 2.13 says this, Looking for the blessed hope and glories appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thirdly, we should love the coming of the Lord. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, Finally, my brethren, there is laid up for me, Paul, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to everyone who has loved the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then fourth and lastly, we should be praying for His coming all the time. Revelations twenty two twenty, He who testifies of these things says, Surely I come quickly, so be it. And even so come, Lord Jesus. Are you ready? To give your life totally and completely to the Lord Jesus Christ so that He can bless you. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.